your haters. One are your motivators and two, they're just jealous. Hey guys, it's your host, Taylor. Welcome back to season two of Girl Gaze Resilience Required. As we continue to navigate through these crazy times, I want to play a part in curing your Sunday scaries with a panel of refreshingly relatable and inspirationally insightful girl gazers. You guys know that when I first started Girl Gaze back in November, I invited those who I admired to come on. Now with this panel, I'm able to connect those I admire. And better yet, I can share our candid conversations with you. This week, I am so excited to introduce you to three super cool and super motivated girl bosses. We are revealing the secret to self-motivation and starting your own side hustle. You don't want to miss this one. Before we get started, I just want to remind you guys that this episode is sponsored by Mixology, which is one of my favorite clothing stores. And I think now more than ever, it's really important to support small businesses. So go check them out. It's at Shop Mixology. And be sure to use my code, girlgaze15, for 15% off. So first, we have Sam Fair, who you all probably already recognize because she was actually on season one, episode two of Girl Gaze, and now she is back and ready for season two, episode two. Sam is an editorial assistant at Cosmo and runs a cute online boutique called Brunch Club. Why don't you kick us off with a little introduction of you and your company? Sure. Hi, you guys. My name is Sam. I'm the CEO and founder of Brunch Club, an online clothing boutique for young women. We mostly target high school and college-aged girls. Uh, You can find it at Eat Brunch Club on Instagram. Uh, Like Taylor said, I'm the editorial assistant and the assistant to the editor-in-chief at Cosmo. So that is super fun. And like, it's been really interesting navigating this interesting time for the last couple of weeks, but a total adventure. And um I do some consulting on the side. So just really pumping all the gas this weekend. Um, yeah. Already starting my Friday night content creation. It's been a whirlwind, but I'm really glad I could join you guys. Yay, thanks. Next up is Celine Rahman. We actually know each other through Syracuse University. If you guys remember, a huge reason I was inspired to start Girl Gaze in the first place is because my senior capstone project included launching a podcast with a bunch of other students, which brings me to how we met. Celine was one of the amazing people featured on the podcast, and we've kept in touch ever since. She is a costumer at a production company called American High and worked on that new Hulu movie with Pete Davidson, Big Time Adolescence. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Um, Side note, she actually met Ariana Grande on set because at the time Pete and her were dating. Okay, back on track. On top of her full-time job, Celine is the creator of her e-commerce company, Cup of Ramen. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your passion project, Turnside Hustle. All right. So, hey, my name is Celine Raman. Um, I created my company, Cup of Ramen. It's kind of a spinoff of my last name. Um, so basically what I do is I create these glittery goodies, 90s styled keychains, accessories for little girls, big girls, you know, everyone. Um, I also illustrate. So I do sweatshirts, t-shirts, moving more into the apparel wave. Um, This is one of them, my Be Good to Women hoodie. And um, yeah, I run most of my stuff online on my website, cupoframen.com. But I also have an Instagram at cupoframen. 
um, where it's kind of a mix of, you know, my aesthetic and positive, you know, feminist quotes and all that good stuff. So um, it's a little collection of my brain. Um, So yeah, that's what I do. Cool. And Natalie Akopian, in 2018, at the end of her junior year in college, Natalie started an Instagram account in addition to her personal account called at Colorful Natalie, because she just wanted to create a platform where she could post photos with her graphic design flair, all for fun at first. But her aesthetic resonated with a specific niche and it truly took off. She recently gave her visual brand a shoppable aspect. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself as well as your decision to create shop? Colorful Natalie. Of course. Thank you so much for having me first. Um, I'm Natalie Copian. I just graduated from Lafayette College with a major in film and media studies and a minor in art. I had always been interested in graphic design, but my school is really small and courses weren't really available in that field. So I'm pretty much all self-taught. I started my Instagram at Colorful Natalie just as a way for myself to practice different Photoshop techniques every day. And then I would cross post my pictures on Pinterest, which actually got me most of my followers, which is how um, I gained popularity on that page. And then just recently in March, I launched my online clothing store at Shop Colorful Natalie on Instagram. And it sells contemporary clothes and accessories, as well as photo editing tools, mainly for millennials and Gen Zers. Awesome. It's really clear that you all are incredibly hardworking, but let's get real about the effect COVID has had on your work ethic. How are you guys pushing through to stay positive and productive? Sam, want to start us off? Sure. Honestly, for me, having a little bit of a breather from everything has actually been a really wonderful silver lining in all of this. Um, You know, during the week, since I work full-time at Cosmo, I am working 9 to 6 or 7 p.m. every single day there. And then 30 minutes each way for a commute doesn't leave a lot of time for my three or four side hustles. So, um, you know, cutting out the commute and being able to work from home gives me the flexibility to do stuff. And for me, when I have a little bit of extra time to myself, I feel like my creative juices totally start flowing. So I've actually put out more content than ever in these past couple weeks. I started a YouTube channel. Um, It's really been fun. And, uh, you know, I think my followers have really needed a voice in their ear telling them it's going to be okay and distracting them and providing some kind of escape for, you know, all the anxiety and tension that comes with a crisis like this. So um, truly my motivation has been my followers and the way they've responded so positively to all this stuff. Um, And, you know, it just keeps me going. Awesome. What about you, Celine? How do you maintain your motivation? Honestly, it's been a bit of an up and down because I was actually um, getting ready to start a film right before this all happened, and I just had to stop that. So my brain was kind of in film motion, and then, you know, I was getting ready for festival season, so I kind of had this plan of how everything was going to roll out. Um, And, you know, I'm lucky because all my stuff is e-commerce, and actually, I feel like I've had much more time to kind of figure out how I can engage more with my audience. Um, I joined TikTok and I've been just putting out a ton of videos and it has been so beneficial and it's really motivating because 
you know, on Instagram, I'll post this stuff and people love looking at it. But on TikTok, people love engaging and talking about it. So um, it's been helpful just and just for me to feel like, am I just an artist like in my cave and like, you know, kind of have that feeling. But um, yeah, it's it's been up and down, but I feel like I'm in a good place right now. Cool. Natalie. Everything I do is really from home anyway. This is my main job. And I also do like freelance work for people who want um, like Instagram highlights or like Facebook and YouTube banners, stuff like that. So I'll, I can do that at home. So wait, side note, can I hire you to do some of that stuff for me? (laughs) Of course. (laughs) I'm going to talk to you after this. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love this. Guys, this is the main reason why I wanted to connect everyone because I feel like during this time, everyone's stuck in their houses and no one's connecting because we can't anymore. And like, especially being in the city, I feel like a main part of my life was going out and meeting new people and connecting with people in the industry. And now that's kind of on a halt. So I'm super excited just to connect you guys. And obviously, like, that was awesome. So... Anyway, um, for myself, I feel like I'm able to maintain my motivation if I think of the why. Um, I know that like during at least this process of girl gaze, it can kind of get, I don't know, sometimes I can kind of get discouraged if I have, if I hit a creative block, especially because this is like a solo project as it is for all of you guys. Um, And sometimes it can get kind of overwhelming if I have like so many ideas and I'm like, oh gosh, who do I pair together and like everything and all the planning. But I don't know. I just feel like when I think about the why and just really connecting every with everyone and my favorite part of this is just interviewing people. So that's kind of what keeps me motivated is just keep is just thinking about my favorite part of this all. So with that being said, starting your own small business is so personal. And I feel like to a certain extent, it becomes an extension of your personal brand because of how close you are to it and how many hours you spend on it. So many people tell me they want to start something, but they're not sure how to begin. I tell them every time, no matter what type of company you want to launch, what products you want to sell, you have to establish a visual identity and voice that appeals to a specific audience. So let's jump back to when you all first started your brands. Sam, you have such a strong voice on your website from your name brunch club your tagline, we hope you're hungry because we're serving. You clearly know what type of customer you're talking to. How and why do you come up with the brand name Brunch Club? And what was your process like with fleshing out that POV? You know, coming up with the name Brunch Club was kind of an adventure. Um, I don't know if I told you this when we spoke last, but I didn't start Brunch Club like on purpose, sort of. It was kind of a backup plan in case I didn't land this job at Cosmo. And then I did land the job at Cosmo, but by then I was already knee deep in this project. And I, once I start something, I cannot leave it unfinished. So naturally I had to uh, go full force in that direction. But, um, you know, it's been a really valuable learning experience and it's been really fun. And I love connecting to my followers in a different way. So, um, you know, naming it and uh, kind of figuring out the branding was like, okay, well, you know, most of my customer base is probably going to come from my Instagram followers. I kind of have a captive audience over there and the the ideation um, behind like, selling clothes and not starting some other kind of business was most of my followers follow me because they like my clothes and they think it's for like photo inspo. Um, Very early on in my 
influencer career, I took a bunch of polls on my Instagram and asked people why they follow me. And like 80% of people responded for fashion and photo inspo versus anything else. So I kind of knew that I would have to extend that brand over to this business in some way in order to kind of move that audience over in the right direction. Um, and, you know, I, I sat down with my mom, who's like my best friend and an extension of my brain. And uh, we were talking about what to name it. And actually the first name we came up with was After Party um, because we are like born entertainers. We both love to be the host. We love to be pouring people drinks. Like that's kind of our thing. That's <laughs> totally my MO. And, um, you know, After Party felt like kind of a chic way to like bring that into the mix. And, um, you know, some that a lot of people don't think about when they're starting a business is they have to make sure the name that they pick is not trademarked by another company. So uh, my mom is a lawyer and luckily she has a a friend in her business and he does uh, trademark law. So he was able to search that and we figured out very quickly that after party was trademarked on a different clothing label. And we were like, okay, we're going to have to regroup. And instead of you know, trying to take things from my personality and turn it into a business, we decided to better serve our followers, our audience, our customers. And we were like, okay, let's talk about a bunch of stuff that my girl likes, right? Like she likes my clothes and, you know, what is like the defining culminating thing that brings all of the pieces of me and her and us together. And um, we kind of looked at each other and we were like, well, like my favorite part of the week is Sunday brunch. And, you know, that is true for 99% of my followers. And um, it's just something silly and fun where for me, all of my best brunch memories are like laughter and friends and good food. And, you know, my happy place is at a table surrounded by friends and family eating an amazing meal. So um, there was a little bit of like earnest and nostalgia for brunch in there. And then a little bit of like, you know, maybe if we like tack club on the end to end of it, it's kind of an iteration of breakfast club, but um, like this gathering of different personalities into like one beautiful thing. But it's also, you know, got this level of like exclusivity and, um, you know, part of our, we're, you know, spending a lot of time doing branding and exciting things during this time because we have a little bit of extra time to work with. And one of the things we were talking about is taking different aspects of the brand and really making it brunch focused. So we're talking about naming collections, things like table for one or like stuff like that, just little things that kind of bring it all together. So that is the story behind the name. And I'm really glad we went with it because, you know, now all of our branding is so silly and like tongue in cheek. And if you, my favorite part of our whole website is the most underrated. If you go to our um, return and exchange policy, it's so funny. I have to credit my mom with like 90% of the ideas, but um it's so cute and funny and it's like a very like underrated aspect of the website. So I totally encourage you if you're listening to go check that out. It's very silly. We wanted every single thing to totally hit on the brand. So it's like, if you don't like your order, like feel free to bring it back to the kitchen. That's where the creative juices start like flowing and getting exciting. So that was kind of the whole process. Yeah, no, exactly. And I feel like when people go to different brands online, they don't know how much thinking goes into just the name. Like even for girl gaze, I went through so many different names. Actually, one of them had the word brunch in it (laughs) to begin with. (laughs) Obviously we didn't go with it, but even just like, I mean, girl gaze, female gaze, female point of view, And then the gaze with the glasses, it's like once you hit on the name, then the branding just kind of like your mind 
turns and you're like, okay, like with the language and everything. So now that brings me to developing a unique visual aesthetic that sets your brand apart from others. Natalie, if anyone comes across your Instagram page or your website, they will become obsessed. At least I am. I'm a little biased. But how did you create your visual aesthetic on your Colorful Natalie page? And then how did you bring it to life like on your website and through Shop Colorful Natalie? So although my, my Instagram name is at Colorful Natalie, I'd say that my aesthetic is mainly pinks and blues and whites. So it's not just all the colors. It's mainly those colors. But um, it's a mix between girly and trendy. But initially, my business wasn't the main, my main goal. So I started my Colorful Natalie account as a graphic design account. And then I started because I would always go online shopping and I would think of a product that would be amazing. And I totally wanted to buy it, but there was nowhere to buy it. Um, so I kind of wanted to make that product. And the aesthetic around it was like kind of girly and like pink, you know, it's like my vibe. Um, And I've always been like super girly and I wanted my brand to be something that I wanted to wear and something that like reflects my personality. So that's kind of like where my aesthetic came from. How'd you go about like choosing your fonts and everything for your website? First, I get inspo from Pinterest from their fonts. So like I'll see like a cute font that I repin and then I'll Google like whatever it kind of looks like, like bubble letter. I'll Google like bubble letter font and then I will type that into like Google and then I'll look through the fonts and I just kind of like literally search you like hundreds of pages and like pick the font that I think is the cutest. So it's just kind of like a searching game, you know? Yeah, no, I totally feel that. I also think that people don't realize how popular Pinterest still is. Like now with Instagram and now with TikTok, the new social media um, platform, I feel like people are like, oh, no one really uses Pinterest. But it's a thing. Like when I worked for a social media influencer over the summer, I'm my time on Pinterest. (laughs) Literally, she made me take this Pinterest course. I was talking to Natalie about this earlier this week. And some of them go viral. It's, It's insane how important it can be to specific audiences, not all audiences, but no, it's literally crazy. Like when I first started my Instagram, I didn't have a Pinterest. I would like Google like cute images, whatever. And then in this, in the images would come up like Pinterest pictures and I didn't have a Pinterest and I thought that it was like out of style. And then I ended up making my colorful Natalie account. And then I would repost those pictures onto Pinterest and then just seeing like the amount of people that would like repin those things I was like okay wait I guess it's like still popping like still a thing I feel like it's like everybody's guilty pleasure like everybody like in the middle of the night when they're on their phone scrolling is either on TikTok or Pinterest literally my Pinterest is like a weird place where I'm just like I want everything to be beautiful like that's it I don't even care what's in the picture it just has to be like on this brand I'm obsessed oh my gosh honestly one of my illustrations, the one that will never stop circulating, the Mercury in retrograde, I did one on. And the people who reposted every single time, they, they tell me it's from Pinterest. And my mind is blown because not only have I never put it there, but like, I just wonder like how many versions of my illustration are even on Pinterest. Like I see, I see them all the time. It's crazy. That's insane. Celine, I actually want to ask you, let's talk products. 
All of your pink glitter girl power products are handmade and self-illustrated. I'm curious what your creative process is like and if you have an emotional connection to any of them. Oh my gosh. My entire brand is emotional. <laughs> um, I, my, I started Cup of Ramen purely out of how can I please myself? Like truly. I'm like, I know I'm, you know, I've got a unique style and, you know, I was following a ton of people who were kind of, you know, a little bit older, but still had that very like girly aesthetic vibe, you know, I was kind of discovering illustrators and all this stuff. And I'm like, this is so cool. I love the whole rainbow pop brand on Instagram, how you can make a palette like that. And I'm like, I want to do that. So I started to do it slowly just with my own photos. And then I'm like, okay, this is, this is totally what my brand is going to be. It's entirely nineties glitter candy shop. Um, I'm, I love candy. I love the aesthetic of candy. I love glitter. It's, it's a never ending spiral. Um, and I really just wanted to make things that would resonate with people, things that were special that you couldn't find anywhere else. Um, and simple things, you know, I started off, my first product was the custom letter keychains, and that was super special because anyone, you know, you go anywhere and you go to a little gift shop and you you want the keychain with your name and I can't tell you how many times I'm like, hmm, darn, they don't have my name. So, you know, it's nice to be able to say, hey, it doesn't matter what your name is, I've got the letter. And whatever color you like, I can make it happen. So it started off there, um, and then I kind of just fell into, okay, you know, what are people starting to like? And I did a bunch of different things like skulls, and, you know, I used... Um, different materials in the resin. I used, I started to use like sprinkles, confetti sprinkles, and just different candy dum-dums. For people who are not familiar with resin, can you just like provide us with a little definition? Gooey, gluey stuff um, that you mix together. It comes in two parts and you put whatever in it, whether it's acrylic paint, glitter, whatever, you put it in a silicone mold most of the time. Some people make uh, furniture, tons of... You can use resin for so many things. It's incredible. And that's also another reason why I dove so hard into it because I'm like, the possibilities are endless. Um, But yeah, I've certainly (laughs) spent many nights online just like crazy buying silicone molds. Like, oh, I want to try this. I want to try that. So I've got a hundred of those. But um, yeah, so you basically pour it into silicone molds and you let it set. And the next day you can take it out and it's whatever you make. Keychain, ashtray. Can I ask a question? I'm obsessed with resin art. I always am pinning it on Pinterest and like saving it on Instagram. I have this like idea of all this stuff. Do you make your silicone molds yourself or do you buy them or like from a wholesaler or something? So I actually have done both. Um, for like my jewelry, I have a ton of costume jewelry, so I'll make my own molds. I'll buy the kits. Um, but sometimes it's hard to come across um, silicone mold kits that are like legit or not as like flimsy. And then I buy silicone molds everywhere and anywhere they sell them. Art stores, Etsy, anywhere across the internet. 
just, you know, fun. sometimes a lot of time, actually, my friends will give me their old silicone molds that they had for like baking. And I'm like, oh, this is great. So <laughs> just everywhere. I get them from everywhere. Even with the trolls, I was like, I have to find a way to incorporate trolls because every girl in the 90s knows what a troll is. A real troll, not like, you know, the Gen Z troll. <laughs> talking about the 90s troll with the gem in the belly button and the crazy hair. Um, and I had these mini trolls and for the longest time, I'm like, I can't find a mold. I'm like, oh, so they sat on the shelf for months, months, maybe like half a year. And I finally was like, oh, okay, this will fit in an ashtray. And I made my troll ashtray and it, it has been just, people just buy them. They love them. And it makes me so happy (laughs) because I'm like, I finally found something that, you know, people can actually dig with. So, so yeah, it's all, it's all in my heart. It's all what I, what I want to make, what I feel. Love that. And I love how all of your designs are handmade and it's all true to your aesthetic, which brings me to Sam and Natalie. You both offer curated clothing collections. How do you go about picking out those clothes that you sell on your website? Natalie, want to kick us off? Sure. I wasn't sure about selling clothing at first, but my boyfriend lives in LA. So I'm in LA a lot. And one day I was like, okay, I'm going to go to like the LA fashion district, right? Because that's what like people do who are selling clothes online. So I ended up going there and there's like hundreds and hundreds of stores. I would just walk into like a cute little store. And like, if I would see something cute, I would probably buy it. And that's how it ended up on the website. If you're getting started, like I'd say like going to like a fashion district in LA or New York is like a good place to start and like a good place to get your merchandise. Um, And definitely picking things that resonate with your brand and your aesthetic. Sam, what about you? For me, it, um, like I said, it started kind of with my followers liked my clothes on Instagram. So I already knew that I kind of wanted to only pick clothes that I would go into a store and buy, right? So like if I was in Free People and I saw this, would I buy it? and like not go home without it? Or would it be like, ah, eh, like I could live without it? That's kind of how I build my collections. Um, but you know, it, it's been exciting kind of seeing what works and what doesn't because sometimes I love something and my followers are like, yeah, it's like fine. And you know, um, at the end of the day, everybody's style is not the same as yours. So for me, I really apply a data driven approach in, you know, to everything I do. It's not, um, it's not exclusive to the boutique, but I found that it's really helpful in that sense. So like, I will sometimes just go on Instagram, put a little question box and be like, what kind of clothes do you want to see more of? Like, do you want more t-shirts? Do you want more like going out clothes? Do you want like tie dye, like loungewear? And you know, that has been really helpful for a time like this when everybody's buying, you know, sweat sets and like cute stuff, but stuff that's also comfortable and like you can wear around your house and like chill out in. And so, um, you know, this actually I'm wearing a, one of my sweatshirts too. This is one of our sweatshirts and we actually started selling it in plain black right in the beginning when we opened this store. And, um, I loved it cause of like the off white parody like moment, but 
then, you know, as we moved into the era of COVID, I was like interested in seeing what people wanted more of. And so um, I asked my friends, I asked my followers, I was like, hey, like if I were to add something to the boutique, like what are you interested in right now? And, um, you know, people are really into tie-dye. They're having a tie-dye moment right now. Um, <laughs> right. It's like a big thing. Um, I'm friends with a really great girl named Jordan who runs Brown Dive Girl, which I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's a great company and she's um, super sweet. And I've like worked with her before and Tida is totally having a moment right now. And, uh, so one of my followers was like, I, you know, have been seeing bleach tie dye everywhere and I'm obsessed with it. Watching tutorials on TikTok, like seeing in pictures, it's so cute. And, um, you know, I was looking for a way to kind of transform my existing collection. So that conversation kind of turned into making these sweatshirts like bleach dyed. And, um, you know, they were selling before because they're, you know, the off-white look I think is really like trendy and like people want to get the off-white look without spending $800 on the sweatshirt. But, um, you know, as soon as I started offering the bleach dye one, we sold out of the collection in 15 minutes and we had to restock twice that following week because people were all about it. And so it started out being like, I want to buy stuff that like for my followers and for my customers that I would wear. And now then like from there it shifted to like, let's see what they want. Like, let's just go ask them. Like, I don't see the harm in that. Like I'm not out here like thinking I'm too wise and like too cool and too stylish to take other people's opinions. And then from there, it kind of went to like, if people are responding to it and it's like big out there in the world, like I have, listen, like trends are trends for a reason. I love to be creative and try new things and, you know, be the creator of some big, exciting movement, but I don't have to be. And I'm just as comfortable following a trend and putting my own spin on it because if that's what you want, like the whole point of this boutique for me is to serve my customer. So if that's what you want, I'm going to give it to you. And I'm not going to be ashamed of like following a wave or any of that stuff. And um, it makes me really excited for people to respond to something so positively and with such excitement. And like the fact that I could turn something that was already in my wardrobe into something like fresh and exciting. It's, it, you know, it's a sustainable activity for me. I've been doing it to all my like plain black sweats, like you know, repurposing my clothes instead of tossing them. But also it kind of gives, you know, it gives your clothes a new life and it makes people re-excited about a product that maybe they were excited about at first, but you know, one style dies off and another one comes in. That's how the industry works. So it's been a totally exciting adventure, kind of listening to my followers and understanding what they're shopping for. Um, if anything, it's been a super cool learning experience and I feel like more connected to them than ever. Wow. Yeah. Something that you said really resonates with me and we actually touched upon it in the first episode of Girl Gaze's um, second season is learning to take feedback and listening to who your consumer is because it takes strength, first of all, to be able to listen to maybe it's not criticism, but other people's thoughts, because as we were saying before, your brand is so personal to you. So sometimes you're like, oh, I want to do this because this is like only my vibe. But really taking that into consideration was so successful for you. And you know, it's funny because I think you guys, 
probably totally understand what I'm about to say, but there's a lot of pressure on us as content creators and founders and CEOs and whatever. Like those are big titles. And I think a lot of times it feels like there's a lot of pressure on us to be the one calling the shots and be the one setting trends and be the one telling you what you want. And in a lot of ways, I take a lot of pride in telling people what I think they want because in my opinion, that's like you're a trendsetter. Like that's part of the job. But I actually... Ever since I really started like going to my individual customers, like especially ones who shop with me a lot, I'm like, listen, you know my brand, you know what I'm about. I just want to be here for you. Like, what do you want to see? Like, that is a whole nother level of connecting with your customer. It's even less about, you know, like all of a sudden I'm selling out of this sweatshirt I've had on my hands for months and more about like, now my customer knows that I give so many shits about what they want. Like uh, she's telling me what she wants and I'm like, okay, I'll buy it for you. Like that to me is customer service on a whole nother level. And, you know, as someone who feels, um, occasionally that pressure to like create content and set trends and be the one calling the shots. It is so refreshing to take the mindset of the consumer. And a time like this, you really need to be there for your customers if you want to run a smart, good business. And it has been such an eye opener being able to like take that feedback and apply it and, you know, build a whole business around it. I think it's so interesting about running a small business because it's such a different approach as compared to a big retailer like Zara, let's say, because you guys know that, I mean, I learned this statistic in one of my marketing classes, 80% of your, of your sales comes from 20% of your clients. So like, you know, exactly who your consumer is um, most of the time, especially if you're communicating with them on social media and it's you personally, it's not some, um, social media editor who's never met the CEO of, you know, a big, large corporation. And I feel like that almost makes the consumer feel more connected to the brand. So I feel like small businesses deserve more credit because it gives them an edge. So I would like to talk about resilience. You guys take what you do very, very seriously. Um, but of course, things sometimes fall through the cracks. I'm curious if any of you can recall an early failure that turned into a major lesson. Celine, want to kick us off? This one was actually really difficult for me to think about because, you know, I, I can't, within my business, I can't recall a major failure. I'm still only three years out, but I know that there are a lot of little things that were very important for me to learn um, in order to not have a very big failure. But you know what? That's the entire purpose of doing what you want and figuring it out is that you have to make mistakes. And, you know, it's, it's that there's always an open door to ask questions and to reach for help if you need help. I, I'd say that's, a, that's another one too, is I'm a Capricorn. I do everything myself. I don't like to let other people help me with my things because I'm an independent woman. But, you know, I, uh, there have been times, you know, I started doing festivals and pop-ups and I can't. When you do the festival, sorry. So you are literally, you have a pop-up stand mm -hmm. during the festivals and you're like literally communicating with your consumer. Yes. Which honestly, it's like, 
my own gift. It's like a gift to having my company is that I get to meet and greet and see what everybody loves and have conversations with them and see how they react. It's, it's such a beautiful thing and it feels so rewarding um, to have built a special place for people to come visit, not only online, but in real life. Um, but just having the tent alone, I physically cannot do that myself. I can't open up the tent myself. So I've had to, you know, I'm like, who am I going to ask? Who's going to help me? Who actually cares about this, you know? So it's, it's moments like those and just remembering that you're allowed to ask questions. You're allowed to toot your own horn and be your best cheerleader and just be extra when it comes to your dream. So that's how I feel about that. <laughs> I love that. What about you, Sam? I have only been in business for a year now. We just were one year in February. And so, you know, similarly to you, Celine, I haven't had a lot of like devastating failures, which is great. But um, I think a big part of that is that when you're a small business, the stakes are lower, right? So a huge multi-million dollar company, their failures are going to be magnified to that millionth degree. Our failures are more lessons and learning experiences for us individually. And to me, that is just as helpful as something going great. Um, like I said earlier, I apply a data-driven approach to everything. I record every single detail, every single number, every single performance metric I can. And you know, when things succeed, you find the common thread. And when things fail, you find the common thread. And you apply those learnings to your future endeavors. And that's how you build a good business at the end of the day. Um, I remember the first time I bought inventory for my store. It was like, whatever, I bought a bunch of stuff. And there was this one product that I was like, oh my God, I would spend $200 on this dress and I'm selling it for 40. It's going to blow off the shelves. I can't wait to put it up. And I sold two of the like, <laughs> the like 50 that I ordered. And I was like, what? Really? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that is mind blowing sometimes, especially like when like us, we, you know, derive our entire customer base from people who follow us and like want to like recreate that kind of thing that they're seeing online. And so, you know, I was really disappointed about that. And I was like, damn, okay. Um, I guess it's not all about me. And, uh, that kind of is what moved me into that, um, approach where I started kind of reaching out to my customers proactively to be like, listen, like, obviously I don't know everything about this. Um, like, tell me what you want more of, tell me what you want less of, like, is this just a me thing? And like, you know, I think there's a level at which like I can be super adventurous with my fashion and, you know, not every person is going to be wearing like neon acrylic chains to like, five minutes after the shower, like my hair is still wet. And that this is like what I think to throw on the coffee. <laughs> we love and, it though. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> there are people who are like, like that. And I love that. But there are also people who are not. And I like that too. And I want to make sure that, um, you know, I'm not serving myself by buying these clothes for people. I'm serving them. And, um, so like I said, a total learning experience with that. And, you know, there have been products since then that also failed. And um, I think, you know, one of the things that I've applied that um, I learned from Cosmo, actually. So when Jess, my boss, who's the editor-in-chief of Cosmo, first started at Cosmo, her first cover was the... I think you can quote me on this, the March 2019 issue. And it was Lana Condor. 
Mm-hmm. And um, the way she created the concept for that cover was she looked at Cosmo's best performing Instagrams over the past year and was like, okay, like what is resonating with our followers? Like the people who follow us on Instagram and the people who engage with our content are the people who care most about what we're putting out there, right? So she looked at our best performing Instagrams, came up with a couple things. And if you look at the cover of Cosmo for that month, which you know, it's super cute and fun. It looks like a cool girl posted it on her Instagram and it totally resonated with our readers and our followers. It was, you know, cited in so many like blogs and websites, like coolest covers of the month, like that kind of thing. And it got such a great response. And like, as soon, that was my first month at Cosmo too. And, um, I got there right as they were shipping it out to the printer. So, you know, I wasn't, I didn't participate in creating it, but I watched it go out and I watched the response to it. And that was the very first thing I learned from her right off the bat. And you can imagine how that feels as a new person at a job. I'm like, damn, like set up. (laughs) So, you know, that is the kind of thing that you, I mean, it's really wonderful to be able to take things from all the different parts of my life and apply them. But um, that was the first time I was really like, okay, this has to be a data-driven experience for me, for the consumer. And, um, you know, the occasional failures along the way are just learning experiences in the end, because luckily for us, the stakes aren't losing your business if you don't sell a product. So totally agree with you. And also just because I'm obsessed with Cosmo and I feel like all of our vibes are kind of on that Cosmo vibe, the Iggy Azalea cover of her wearing the hot pink blazer with the iced coffee, like I can tell that was also (laughs) unsuccessfully. I have a pink blazer in my closet that I'm like, I need to make that photo. Duncan water in my hand, like pink blazer on, and it, you know, it's just not quite the same. (laughs) I know. know. Although after this, after quarantine, I think I'm gonna pull out all the bold colors. Oh my god! I literally said that the other day. I I posted an Instagram with like a weird rainbow behind my head, and I was like, "Listen, I'm a big like black clothes only kind of girl. Like everything goes together when you're wearing all black." But I was like, "I'm swapping out every black sweater I have for a neon pink one as soon as this is over." Because espresso depresso. (laughs) Oh my gosh! I literally always say you would never know that my Instagram is mine because I dress in all black every day, all day. But it's like, it, it goes by seasons too. Like now I'm starting to feel the colors. So I'm definitely ready for sunshine and more colors. I know, me too. Natalie, I know that you have recently had a hater DM on Instagram. Yeah. Walk us through what oh. happened. I know, haters. Okay, so this is what happened. So I was on my Shop Colorful Natalie account, and I guess this girl, I'm assuming it was a girl because why would a guy be on that? Whatever. (laughs) This person messaged me like a million times, like, who's your wholesaler? Who's your, where are you getting your stuff from? Blah, blah, blah. But like saying it like rudely. So then... I didn't see it because I don't follow them back. Then I go on after posting and I see this person is commenting like horrible things on all my, on all of my pictures, like worst Instagram, worst customer service. This is such a bad boutique. Don't buy from them. Like stuff like that. And then I messaged them. I'm like, 
do I know you? Like I've never bought from, you've never bought from me in your life. Like I'm pretty sure like you can't be saying this stuff. And then they're just like, you obviously have just such bad customer service. Like if you're not responding to anything that I'm saying, I'm like, Ugh. like maybe I would respond if you were like saying it nicely. I also didn't see it, but maybe, maybe, you, would, maybe you would perform customer service if they were a customer. Yeah. And literally. And then I was going to be like, you're not even a customer. And then she goes like, um, maybe I was going to be a customer, but like you weren't Uh, responding to my messages. I'm like, no, I don't know if she was like trying to start like a clothing brand or something, but, um, her feed said like clothing brand. So I guess she was like trying to like take my vibes and like and sell them. She was trying to copy me, I guess. So basically what I can say from that is like your haters, one are your motivators and two, they're just jealous. So that's all I have to say. Couldn't have said it better myself. Mike just <laughs> Wait, Celine, didn't you have someone copy your designs as well in the past? Oh, yes. Honestly, my heart feels still slightly wounded by this. So um, I was on Instagram and I was scrolling through and I saw a post. I literally thought someone was reposting my stuff. And then I realized someone that I knew um, had started their own shop um, someone you and, know? Yes, someone that I oh, know. Me too. Had, so I totally feel you. I, I. It's like it's almost. Mm, it's it's hard to think about in my heart, but um, so basically. I was like, oh my gosh, I kind of had like a freaked out moment and I went to the page and I saw that she had a couple of the same products that I had, like the letter keychains, she had like Ouija keychains. Is it like the the same exact thing? Yeah. Yeah. Not like all of it, but a couple products were the same and it was enough to be like, uh... And also we live, we live very close to one another. So it was just bizarre. So I like, was like, okay, Celine, this was bound to happen. You know, it's, it's just, it's been, um, a big fear of mine for a long time because I worked at elite daily. I started illustrating there. Um, and I saw how quickly, other illustrators kind of picked up on what I was doing. And yes, at some level, it's kind of flattery, but then um, you realize, you know, how many people start stealing your stuff. And then there are bigger brands who come in, like brands that I love and that break my heart that like Urban Outfitters would go and like take these like designs from, you know, these artists who have made their whole lives out of creating one design. And it's, it's horrifying. The whole thing, like it's horrifying, but, it's um, flattery until it's plagiarism. You know, I was uneasy about it for a while and I just, I really wanted to talk to her because the last time that I had seen this girl, she was actually buying stuff from my shop at this festival last year. So I, you know, but I was like, you know what? Here's the reality of it. All I can do is, you know, tell her how I feel, say my piece and like wish the best. And I pretty much, I had coffee with her and I said, listen, like, I'm not going to lie. This was really close to my heart. And it really, you know, it hurt me to see someone who I know and respect kind of just pick up, you know, my whole aesthetic that I spent actual years building and just, you know, start 
making money off of something that I built. Um, and she didn't see it that way. She didn't think that she was copying me and maybe that was a defense mechanism, but I, Red just, flag. <laughs> I, 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 you know, there's, there's only so much that I can do. And to be honest, I've waited and I've hoped and prayed for someone in my community who is remotely interested in doing the same stuff that I do. So I told her and, you know, she kind of explained to me, well, my stuff is a different vibe. It's a little bit spooky and that's, that's her thing. And I'm like, well, that's cool. Um, and I love that. But if you're really serious about this and you, and that's who you're saying you are, like, I want to see you go full force in that. And you know what I would love even more is to see us next to each other. So we have two different spectrums going on and you know, that's, that's all I can do is I, I don't, I don't want anything bad for her. Clearly she was inspired by what I was doing, which is a beautiful thing, but like, you know, it's a very fine line. And, um, I just, I, I said my piece and it is what it is. I can't tell her what to do. I'm not her mom. And to be honest, it only motivated me more to recreate what I was doing because I'm like, okay, this is, this is my candy shop, but how, how can I take it to the next level now? So that's, that's just the way of life. Yeah. I'm really sorry that happened to you, but something that you said really resonated with me is the fact that you wanted to stand next to her. And I feel like so often, you know, a lot of girls say that they believe in female empowerment, but maybe don't live it to the fullest. And I just feel like competition should never be the end all be all to really be more about collaboration and like female empowerment is so deeply rooted in the DNA of girl gaze and also the magazine that I did in college you girl. And I mean, I'm just so happy that all of us are obviously creators and we are all able to have an open conversation about how we all built our businesses and relate. And you know, this is, this is what female empowerment looks like. I love that you said that it motivated you even more to kind of push through and definitely requires resilience to get over that, I think. I know that we've been giving little tidbits of advice throughout, but I would love to close the panel with any advice you would offer to any other girls who want to start something but haven't yet. Natalie, want to go first? Sure. So I would just say literally just go for it. Like. I knew when I started, it was going to take a lot of time for me to start because I had to fill out like paperwork, little things that would take time. And you just have to get through that. Like I was thinking it would take me forever, but like, honestly, it wasn't that hard. And after I got through that, like I felt ready to go and ready to start this. I feel like anyone can do that. Like if you're interested in something, just go for it. When I was in college, all my friends were getting like amazing jobs and super excited about this new job that they got in New York City once they graduated. And that just like wasn't for me. Like I was, I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to start something. I wanted to leave an impact on people. And that's, that's like exactly what I did. Even though it took me some time, it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. And honestly, like you have to start somewhere. Totally. I agree with you. Celine, what about you? I can't tell you how many people thought that what I was doing was stupid, rolled their eyes. Like I can't, I can't tell you, but you know what? It's, if you believe in it, you can make it happen. And that's what it's about. You're going to 
have failures. You're going to have bumps in the road. Just keep going, keep asking questions, stay positive and just do you. It's, it's literally like building your own kind of human, you know? So no, you know, they say no one else can be you, but you. So remember that. And, you know, if it's something that you're inspired by, take that, but make it your own, you know, do something that's going to serve you. Love that, Sam. I feel like I could ramble about this for three hours. I've already (laughs) rambled about so many things, so I'm going to try not to. But at the end of the day, for me, it's about caring so much about why I do it and the people I do it for. Um, you know, like I said, this business started out being something that was for me and I thought would be a fun thing for me. And it has totally evolved and completely transformed into being about the person on the other side of the computer. And I really think once you achieve that understanding and that level of running your small business, the rest is easy, truly. I mean, every single thing I do is informed by my consumer and that doesn't just go for my boutique. It goes for all platforms, all my jobs. Um, You know, if you really, really care about the people you do it for, like whether it's your consumer or whether it's like for your family or whether it's, you know, for this, you know, person inside of you that you feel like you've smothered for so long and like needs to like you need to shine a light on. Like it's not about money and it's not about building an empire at the end of the day. It's about inspiring people. It's about creating for people. It's about connecting with people. And, um, you know, it, it really took me getting there for this to become something that I was really proud of. I totally agree with you. I mean, that's kind of the whole reason why I started Girl Gaze also is just to have this safe space for us to have these types of conversations and also to inspire other girls to go after their dreams. And as corny as that sounds, I just feel like it's so true. Like you kind of just have to say to yourself, you know what, I'm just going to go for it. Like even when I thought I was going to start this podcast back in, like when I graduated from college, like a year ago, and then I ended up just, Oh, I just graduated. I'm going to push it off, whatever. And then I ended up launching in November, which is months later. But at a certain point, you just have to say, I'm just going to fucking do it. You know what I mean? So, I mean, of course, doing all this research and everything, but I would also recommend joining a Facebook group. I don't even use Facebook, but I joined a podcasting, like a woman's podcasting Facebook group. And there was so much advice in there. Um, so going off of what Celine said with asking questions, if you can find some sort of community like that or connect with someone else who kind of does something similar to you or in the same industry, that is super, super helpful. So before we head out, I always like to end with a gaze goal of the week, which is just a realistic self-care goal for the upcoming week. My episodes are released on Sundays and I know that we're in quarantine, so everything kind of gets meshed together, but I love starting the week off on a positive note. And I feel like setting a realistic self-care goal for yourself, especially during this time can be super motivational and also actually attainable. So Celine, want to go first? Oh my gosh. Honestly, this is a big one for me. I obviously spend a lot of time on my computer, on my phone, social media. If you just take 10 minutes of your time, whether at night or in the morning to just meditate, clear your mind, it has truly made the biggest difference for me. Um, 
and it really just helps me relax. So uh, you can get on Spotify. There are guided meditations. I love nature sounds personally, but whatever works for you, 10 minutes, do it for a week, guarantee it will change your life. (laughs) (laughs) Sam, what about you? One of the things I have really put a lot of effort to during quarantine is putting my phone down during meals. And I normally am pretty good about that. But truth is when you're juggling four or five jobs, it's almost impossible to separate yourself from whoever your audience is, whether it's like your boss and your coworkers or your followers or your consumers, whatever it is. Um, And so, you know, it slips away from me during, you know, regular life. And during quarantine, I feel like I've had you know, I feel so lucky to be with my whole family right now. And um, the quality time has been wonderful. And we haven't gotten a lot of it in the last couple of years since I went to college and moved out and all that kind of stuff. So my goal for this week is to just completely put my phone down from start to finish at every meal and really just spend that time with my family. I love that so much. I think I'm going to do that too, <laughs> or at least try. <laughs> what about you, Natalie? So a similar goal, I have two of them. So the first one is I definitely need to like start putting my phone down more because my screen time is literally through the roof. So bad. I'm trying not to use it, but like what else am I supposed to do? Like we're sitting at home, there's nothing to do. Like I'll go on a walk and then I'll come home and I'll maybe watch TV, but like I'll probably be on my phone, you know, but, um, trying to spend more time, like focusing on my small business and like maybe designing things. And then my second goal to paint my nails, because I've been trying to do that for so long and they're literally just like, they're so bad. And also my toenails, like not cute, but yeah, those are my two goals. Wait, I feel that on a whole other level. Like the first stop after quarantine will be the nail salon. Literally, like, my nail lady is going to be so excited to see me. <laughs> no, she's going to be disturbed. <laughs> also, she's going to look at my like yellowing nails and be like, what happened to you? <laughs> I know. That's actually a really good goal. I think I need to do my nails. Maybe that'll be like a, an activity with my mom because she also needs to do her nails. Um, Something, my goal for the week, something that I used to do at my apartment in the city, which obviously I'm not at anymore, is I bought this mason jar and I would put, uh, I would write down on the post-it one good thing that happened that day. Celine, I think you actually saw it when you came over, yeah. And, uh, you know, I fell off of it a little bit, but I still remembered to, at the end of the day, when I came home, I would look at the jar and I'd be like, oh yeah, like that one good thing happened. Um, and it really just turned my whole day around. And my mom actually has a big mason jar here as well. And we were talking today about putting, writing one thing down, whether it's once a day or once a week of something that you're grateful for just to express some sort of gratitude, especially during this time, obviously the world has totally changed. And I've been seeing a lot of people on Instagram stories journaling, and I'm not a huge journal person, but I think that this is a different way to still express your gratitude without the actual like act of writing Dear Diary. Um, Yeah, so that's my gaze call. I just want to thank you guys so much for doing this with me. This was so fun and I'm so glad that we were able to connect. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to connect with you guys post COVID as well. Yes. Thank you so much, Taylor. Seriously, this has been so riveting for my soul to meet all of you and to talk about this stuff. Thank you guys so much.
Same. Thank you so much for having us. It was awesome. I loved meeting you guys. I love what you do. Amazing people. We need to connect after this. Awesome. That is really the best part of it is, you know, I feel like it's so funny. Everyone's watching these panels on Instagram and stuff, but like we definitely all text afterwards. So like, <laughs> y'all remember that we're about to be best friends. <laughs> <laughs> love that. Okay. Thanks guys. Thanks Taylor. And thank you guys, seriously, from the bottom of my heart, if you have actually made it this far into the podcast, I fucking love you. Now, please go leave a five-star review, written review, because you're obviously an OG and a true supporter. (laughs) Also, if you want to meet all of us virtually, go head over to at girlgazepod, because I just started a new IGTV series inspired by season two called Resilience Required, where I am taking a little chunk of each panel that I have on. So you'll be able to see us in action. We drink wine, so it's super fun. If you also want to follow me behind the scenes personally, go follow at Taylor Bradford. And I will also be linking everyone who is on this podcast in the description, as well as their business URL, like web pages. So thanks again, and I will see you guys next week. Make sure to set the gaze goal, and I'll see you then. Bye.